Hello, and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh, and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about Alexander Payne's The Holdovers. Joining us today, he'd fail a Nepo baby in a heartbeat. It's our teacher movie correspondent, Josh Brown. Josh, what's going on? Hey, hey, hey. I'm glad to be back so soon. Yeah, I th- I don't even know if you've actually joined for a teacher movie aside from Election, which I think we did during that year in 2020 when I was just finding excuses to revisit old movies. And I was like, oh, I know a teacher. Let's talk about a teacher movie. But now, now it's the second one. So you're now the, the teacher movie correspondent because The Holdovers is a teacher movie. It, star- it is uh, Alexander Payne's follow-up to 2017's Downsizing. I think it's Downsizing yeah. 2017, it, which was, you know, probably like more like the critical nadir for like, you know, his filmography and a movie that I was not too fond of, but was excited about when it came out. I remember really liking the trailer. Uh yeah. And that was like a long awaited like passion project. And here's the thing. I feel like the downsizing cult has grown a little bit. Were you, like, were you in the cult? I, I was I was someone who wanted to be in the cult. <laughs> like, like I wanted to you just couldn't get there with the movie. Yeah, I couldn't. <laughs> I'm like, it, it's a movie certainly of ideas. <laughs> like not all of them good, but like um um like like I remember really like the Hong Chow stuff being just super weird just weird because like a lot of people were like she got like a lot of buzz for that movie before it came out and i feel like i've actually like liked her and like everything else i've seen her in like way more than that movie and then also two-thirds of the movie it really doesn't matter that they're small (laughs) i think that was like one of my main criticisms of it was like i thought there was gonna be like more made of like the actual like size thing you know and it just wasn't yeah Um, no but i but again like it has it's like defenders that are like you know (laughs) no i don't i don't know those people and i mean i i I, if i had more time in my life maybe i would seek them out but you know i don't we got we got we got to talk about the new stuff and some people think the holdovers is a return to form uh the holdovers is uh, it's actually written by uh david hemmingson who when i looked him up he seems like he's more of like a tv writer up until he kind of connected with by the way you know what he wrote uh what Okay, so he wrote, um, you know that like Anthony, uh, Anthony Bourdain inspired uh show Kitchen Confidential that had Bradley Cooper before Bradley Cooper was Bradley Cooper. Oh, that's what that was. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think I was on his IMDb earlier, and I I kind of scrolled through that, but I didn't actually like look at it that closely. And then also keep in mind, remember the movie Burnt? Like that was Bradley Cooper being like, "Hey, like I played Bourdain before." Let's do this again. And that was actually supposed to be a, a Fincher movie starring Keanu. Hmm. Like a Fincher movie starring Keanu. Oh, dude. Like Keanu and Fincher, man. That would be killer comedy. So, yes. But uh, David Hemmingson just he created a couple of TV shows that lasted one season. And all of a sudden, like I was listening to an Alexander Payne interview earlier, just kind of by chance. I guess he came across some other kind of script that uh, David Hemmingson had written that was similar to this, which was kind of its own idea that Payne said he had had an idea for indiv- like independently, like some 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and because he like um, saw this like French movie that has a very similar premise that takes place at a boarding school is with this teacher who smells a fish and it's called Merluce. And this, that's uh, that's French for like fish. Ah, uh, yes. So the holdover is set in the in early like 1970, 1971, I think, uh, fall. It, it, it's at a boarding school uh, called uh, Barton Academy in uh, some Massachusetts uh, town. It, it largely centers on Paul Hunnam, a disliked teacher who teaches like, I don't know, like uh, 
classics uh, yeah. and in the history and all things of that nature. And he's just very, very condescending to his students, is not well liked throughout the boarding school and does things like fails the kids of big donors. And that earns him the ire of the headmaster who uh, punishes him by, you know, just giving in to some other teacher trying to get out of holdover duty where you have to stay over winter break and watch the kids that have nowhere to go. So they stay at the school. So uh, Paul gets roped into doing that. And there's a handful of kids, like one jock kid, one other kind of douchey kid. Uh, and, uh, and, and then uh, Ag- Angus Tully played by new- newcomer Dominic Sessa. They're kind of three older kids, a couple younger kids that are in the mix. And the, the four of the kids get whisked away by a plot development later in the movie. So uh, Ag- Agnes is just left with, is it Agnes or Angus? No, I'm forgetting. Um, so yeah so angus is left uh with paul and also mary who is kind of the who runs the school cafeteria she's played by divine joy randolph who uh i think uh we've actually talked about her before and like what what the thing that most of us saw in for the first time dolomite is my name uh she's been in other things in the interim and is always kind of the best thing in them but a lot of people think this is maybe her best role yet uh she is not only is she run the cafeteria but her son attended barton on a scholarship and uh but then ended up uh unfortunately being killed in the vietnam war so she is processing that grief and also before her son uh, was even born the father of her son who was she was engaged to passed away so that she's a lady that has experienced a lot of grief and she is uh he, there throughout the school break helping cook whatever's in the kitchen for these guys that got left behind and you know uh hijinks kind of ensue and a lot of you know back and forth and people you know uh learning more about each other and coming together as as they're kind of all at odds or or at least or at least angus and uh, paul are at odds and mary kind of you know uh is, is is there for along for the ride as they kind of you know uh get to know each other better and you know uh, just go go through a lot of uh ups and downs over the course of a few weeks at this at this school and beyond where we'll get to where else they leave the school grounds for though it mostly takes place at this one uh prep school it was uh it, it was actually when i my, my light look wikipedia before we started kind of told me it was based on about five different schools but they did film in uh massachusetts josh like i said we did the podcast on election uh which you know which so this is not so school movies are not totally unfamiliar ground uh terrain for alexander payne this is a very different kind of movie with its own with its own tone and uh honestly you know in some ways like I have not seen all of Alexander Payne. I'm not a total Alexander Payne completist, but this feels in some ways like it does You're have not a very pain dis- head, not a pain head, I guess. Um, so it, 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 but it, it certainly feels like it's uh, distinct for him too in tone in a way that I appreciate it. I'm wondering, you know, uh, if you, if you appreciated this, I, I know you liked this movie. Did you appreciate it as a teacher? Did you just appreciate it as a, uh, as, as someone that could appreciate the craft that Alexander Payne was working with, or did you most appreciate it for some other reason? Okay. So, as someone who has seen all of Alexander Payne movies, you might call me a pain killer, you know? <laughs> I, I think Payne is better. Yeah, Payne. Okay, okay. So, like, um, I'm glad that you mentioned, like, Election, because that is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, and especially having become, like, a high school, like, civics teacher, like um, the Matthew Broderick character in that film. Um, like, the thing is is that like it's kind of funny because like this is the third time in which uh, a teacher is at the center of an Alexander Payne film um, the other time that's not mentioned is Sideways where Paul Giamatti is a middle school teacher who's like this like failed novelist right and so I think like Payne has like a very like 
dismal view as teaching teachers where he, he kind of paints them as these pathetic like lonely like men with like unfulfilled dreams um which i oh, well, it, it seems like seems like you like him and you don't feel personally attacked when you're watching him though no i do like like again um um so and i'll get to that like because there's another reason why like i kind of relate to the paul giamatti character in this one um so yeah like i like it's funny because i think maybe like pain paints these characters like that in the sense of like that's probably what he would have ended up being if he was not like alexander Payne, this filmmaker you know like i could see that like being you know like probably his most plausible worst case plan B scenario in life. But having said that, like, um, um, I kind of also want to talk about like where pain fits in, like sort of amongst like his contemporaries where like he's this Gen X auteur, but I don't think he's like necessarily as heralded in the same breath as like Fincher or Richard Linkletter, like other some of his other contemporaries, or even or, or even or even Wes Anderson, and I saw some people talking about Rushmore in conjunction with this movie a little bit, just because supporting yeah. movie. But he's the most decorated. He has like two Oscars for Sideways and The Descendants, and it's kind of you know, and I think he made one of the quintessential movies of the '90s with Election, and that is part of that um, iconic year of 1999. And has like that sensibility, that Gen X sensibility that's sort of remembered for that decade. I don't think he's necessarily a director. Like, here's the thing: like, I liked every single Alexander Payne film from Citizen Roof to um, The Descendants in Nebraska, but I don't necessarily re revisit his movies that often. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just kind of a dude that like kind of pops up during like award season. You know, and I think like he's sort of this. At, like this director who like seems like an outdated like um like a type of movie that they don't make anymore like this like white indies you know like not like it's weird like um kind of that like sundance generation things um that like those quiet quirky dramedies you know um someone someone who's a, a blind spot for me for the most part is hal ashby and i heard that, that i read that name a lot when i was reading up on this movie right right and ashby sort of like the influence of all these other directors like that are kind of adjacent to pain like cameron crow or and then J a huge pain acolyte is jason reitman like ashby is like the, their god right and and so anyway like with this film it's kind of interesting in that like um like despite what I mentioned, every time I like I see an Alexander Payne movie, I mostly really like enjoy them or like reckon with them. And again, like he's not like the most like overtly flashy stylistic filmmaker. I think that's why Election kind of stands out because that's like him at his most kinetic. But what's kind of interesting though with this film in relation to the rest of his filmography is that when Payne started, people kind of criticized him for being like too caustic. I remember like joss whedon being like you know i respect the alexander payne movies but they're kind of you know too cynical too kind of mocking like their characters like that used to be like the main criticism of him and now he makes this movie that is a lot warmer than his previous films i think this film is his like warmest film um despite the fact that like you know the person at the center is a classic pain archetype someone that is like curmudgeon 
um, someone that is, you know, out of time, out of place, um, and mostly seen as pathetic. Mm. Well, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess you gave a long answer to a, to a, to a, to a simple question, which I always appreciate, but it seems like, you know, I, well, like, I'm glad you mentioned the thing about being caustic. Cause again, I think one of the interesting things about this movie though, is I they think is very impressive is that like, maybe you could see some ways in which that could describe the Paul character, but the movie doesn't necessarily take on that tone along with him. And maybe you could say some of the other movies he has do it just, he, he's a guy that's contained within this world. But like, I think he strikes a really interesting balance because like i feel like you're never you're, you never you never totally really turn against him as unlikable as he like you know in some ways like makes it clear that he is within the within the world of that movie from the start which i think is a pretty interesting balancing act that he pulls off yeah 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 that's a good point where he i think it's sort of like he wants you to feel sympathy for this guy you know and like you know another reason why it relates to this movie is because like um he's like a teacher uh, like with a disability like um and so you can kind of see how like he just having this year like deal with like my injured leg and stuff and just like having to like you know deal with a classroom and just kind of being self-conscious about what the students make of you because of this and also it making you feel like an outsider and more alienated um, from other people is like something that I think I kind of related with uh, Paul's uh, character here. Yeah, and I mean, I, 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 I he, he, he generated like four laughs from me in that first scene where he's just telling off the whole class. So yeah. I mean, like, I think you can get away with more if you're if you're, if you're really funny. And uh, at, at, the, at the same time, like, I think is an interesting creation of a character he they have and and Angus to like pair with him. So so it's like. Again, you have like the rich kid kind of sent off to a boarding school and like uh, who puts on a cocky veneer. And and in a sense, you could say like, oh, like that kid will just like totally rub me the wrong way. And even aside from like, you know, him being nice to the kid that pisses his pants, I think there's something still like also like inherently likable about him, too. Also, and apart from the fact that like he's getting abandoned by his parents for Thanksgiving, like he he strikes a really interesting balance, too. Apparently they cast Dominic Sessa from. Uh, like his high school play or something that he was in. Like he went to one of the schools that the movie was in part based on. And that's literally how he got cast. It's like never been on screen before. And I, I, I think that's also a really interesting performance. And it just kind of helps to have uh, Giamatti like getting to play off of him and knowing that like, okay, like I'm sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, maybe this guy is going to learn something from this guy, but it, it, it doesn't necessarily feel like as conventional. And at the same time, I think while, Angus isn't necessarily unlikable. I think I, I just think I just think it's like really smart. I mean, I, th I should also uh, again, uh, we, we already mentioned it, but I, th I think like you can also you can also give David Hemmingson some credit for it. But like, I just think both those guys like it, it's interesting, like you, in some ways, it's like, especially when I saw when I, I knew the runtime going in because like I had like a very small window when I saw it on Sunday to like I had to drive 30 minutes because there's only one theater in all Palm Beach County showing it. I had to go all the way to Boca Raton for a 110 showing and needed to get back up to West Palm by like 4:20 to watch the Eagles play. So it was like so it was like very narrow and I was like very aware of this runtime I'm like oh god it's I'm going to cut it so close but I may as well go even though it sounds kind of long and it's like to be in it to be in for the long haul with two guys like this that in some ways could be seen as like you know unlikable or caustic or uh prickly on the surface and just have it not be a bad hang 
I, I'm trying to even like put into words like what I think they did right, but I think they just really did something right that it actually feels like a good hang when you're just w- w- when you're with these two particular dudes for this long. I mean, you have a good point about like this is actually a hangout film, which I, I didn't realize like um, um, that like Iggy that this could qualify as a hangout movie. You know, like, yeah, there's not a ton of plot. there's not a ton of plot for long stretches. Yeah, yeah, and so like you know, hangout movies like you know like Days and Confused you know breakfast club where you're just like or jackie brown where you're just hanging out with these characters um um and yeah like and here's the thing about this movie right because um okay in you know like every like and i try not to like talk about awards and just try to look at the movie objectively because those don't matter at the end of the day but just like in this you know this is movie released in award season right and um i think this is the type of movie that like people kind of would want to make the villain of the season because it's like the most like kind of like old-fashioned you know like the um filmmaking is like kind of deliberately um retrograde like it's supposed to be like a throwback to those Hal ashby 70s films and stuff and that's why i think people are going to resent it but to me it's kind of like green book without the baggage well, you like, talked about that you talked about that a little bit in your letterbox review which i don't always read but i did beforehand it's like it, not only the whole what you're saying without green book without baggage but it's set during the war mm-hmm. and and i guess there's a there's a little bit of a, a class aspect to this because because mary's son ends up getting killed in vietnam and she mentions the fact that like again it's 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 they don't dwell on it too much but she mentions the fact that like he had some financial aid and whatever other income that she had that she could put towards it like it just wasn't enough to actually qualify him to be able to get an exemption and he's put in vietnam but like it's like implied that like basically any of these kids at barton that that, that we see in the movie like they're gonna just go to an ivy league school and be fine and get around getting drafted and it's like so there, there's something there's some stuff going on in the background but it's like it doesn't necessarily feel like alexander Payne is trying to make some big like some big point about society that he wants to like really get patted on the back for making it's just there yeah yeah that's like exactly like throughout the whole movie like a lot of um giamatti's characters like um resentment is if it's because of the class stuff right like the he doesn't like these kids because he views them as like entitled kids like he used to go to these schools and so he was kind of like the person that was uh put upon because he didn't have the exact wealth as the others right and so there's a lot and he didn't get the same um and there's a, a revelation later in the movie um that we could get to but but yeah like that class tension is there throughout the film and is pronounced but it's not like you know again because he's not like i think because like it like his scope is still kind of limited like he's not like a peter Farrelly like trying to make a grand statement about praise (laughs) and doing it in the most offensive way possible but it is in that traditional like um uh, vain and you know and to a certain extent like you the, you can quibble about like you know like the black the main black character is still like a cook but um that being said with this movie the, it, what it really reminded me of was scent of a woman you know hmm. like like have you seen scent of a woman yeah yeah great great tnt movie man like i was i'm a huge scent of a woman <laughs> fan um kid me like what i would come in the afternoons it would be on hbo max like on hbo not hbo max um 
uh yeah real 2000 kids know um and i just be doesn't, doesn't pacino have some line as cre- as corny as like the she's got a great ass line in uh in heat what's the what's the line he has instead of a woman that's like that well Isn't instead of woman instead of woman i think it's mostly the hoo ya Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, but like, I, I love Son of a Woman. Anyway, but what do you like about these settings? Because you're a teacher, and yeah. uh, but you're you're a high school teacher. What what, what, what do you think that I? Because I, I, I feel like I probably have a soft spot for stuff like this too. And like boarding school is so unfamiliar of a concept to me. I went to public school. You know, in, in in just like a regular old suburb and in the South, like these idea of like New England boarding schools, like I can't, even, it's hard for me to wrap my head around it. So it's, it's quite the escapist thing. Like I, I enjoy school ties too, you know, and I feel like there's others like I'm not, and um, I'm not thinking of too. Like it's, there's something about that setting. I mean, can you, can you put your finger on like why there it's, it's a, why those make for a fun backdrop for this kind of hang? I, I think so. All right. First off, all right. You have to put in account like with that architecture, right? you want to like set this movie during the winter time or fall time. Right. And so that like, as like, you know, like a sense of nostalgia and fondness. Right. And then also I think it's like the fraternity of brothers where you like, look at those like movies. And I think also like, I think you and I are like kind of nerds that probably like know people that were a little bit more privileged than us, but like we could like fit in these very like elite worlds, you know, like sort of, but not quite belong to them. I don't know. Maybe I'm like I'm talking to Josh. I'm like I I I I would without like you know speculating too much on our parents' uh uh net worth. I would say I probably am a child of privilege, but I also went to public school, and again, hey. this is a world that is foreign to me, is what I will say. Yeah, it's like it's like for me, like um, I went to public school too, but like I also was like on the debate team, so we'd go like our competitors oh, yeah. were private school, so you briefly, and you're with like these like rich nerds you know um and so like again i didn't belong to that prep school like vibe and but like it was like i i've seen it and also like in this movie like they're they're in the northeast and like like syracuse kind of looks like this location um but when they actually go to boston later in the film like i've been to like the bookstore there but i do think it's a combination of like you're it's like fancier i think it's the same reason why we like harry potter and hogwarts right there's something about like it's like a fancy version of high school right it makes school look cool and then you also have like this fraternity of like guy friends or whatever that like you have like you know like whatever's going to happen in the story is going to be a lifetime bond you know um yeah i know it makes school look cool like you you get like you see the cafeterias in this movie and you're like wow that's better food than we had you know <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah you know it's uh yeah and higher ceilings than we had uh yeah, yeah it's 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 a very grand setting and i and I, I i mean i don't know i mean i know you spent some time in in syracuse but like i don't know how much affection you have for cold weather or if you're uh perfectly oh, happy I, for, I dig it as oh, you do okay i, I yeah. know if you ever talked about that yeah Oh, no, as someone who grew up in Orlando, when I like first off, like first off in the fall, when it like the leaves change colors, I was like, what? Like seasons like that's a 
that is that's a thing i thought i was just like in movies you know <laughs> well, yeah so i mean yeah so I, I lived in philadelphia till i was five and then i grew up in pensacola and now i live in the one part of florida that ha has absolutely no seasons so mm -hmm. uh you know and i'm the guy that like spent my i never i never did a trip for i know like in college and law school for the first six years of those seven years i just basically went home and sat with my family during spring break like i never i never like went on a cruise or partied or anything like that and then my my, my 3 year i spent eight days in new york city for for spring break like i was just like i'm gonna go to the cold weather for spring break so i have a i i, I have a sense of longing and uh, i don't even know if nostalgia is the right word but just like escapism i have when i watch something in this setting and it's like oh good good for you characters you get jacket weather i'll live vicariously through you you know and yeah. so i think there's something to that for me and also by the way like i think the ur text for this type of story right um is freaking salinger and catcher in the rye and like i think like for people like alexander payne like that's definitely like the text you know that they like yeah they yeah. yeah yeah they should have had uh they should have had angus you know escaping to a bar by himself at some point during the boston thing uh sequence you know that would have been uh that, that would have been uh nice um yeah. but yeah no i think and also like you know maybe, maybe even if it's boarding school as opposed to college it's i'm now yeah, I am now, uh, I guess, shoot. Yeah, I'm, I'm over 10 years removed from graduating college, just over 10 years removed. So, you know, it's something about like seeing get, kids getting to live on a campus and have some sense of freedom. I'm sure that strikes a chord with me as well. So a lot of that stuff will just kind of like, you know, help you connect with it. Though at the same time, I don't know if I quite knew. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, I certainly wasn't a Angus myself as far as my disposition or the way I carried myself or the, the kind of family I came from. But I think he's an interesting creation for the movie. Um, one, what, what did you think of, um, Alexander Payne, like making this particular Angus character, a, a central part of the story? And two, uh, did, what, what did you think about how, uh, Dominic Sessa did in this role? Cause I mean, I, I'm always like, what the, I see like a, a poster. I'm like, I know Paul Giamatti. I know Divine Joy Randolph. Oh, wow. They're really going out on a limb here. Just like putting this other guy there that no one's ever heard of. And that can go wrong. I mean, a lot of times if, um, with, with casting kids or young people like that. And I, I think he pulled it off. What, what did you think about like, you know, this particular student being, you know, uh, so, such a central figure in this, this particular kid being such a central figure in this movie? Well, you know, like the, the kid is, it's a great performance by mm -hmm. Dominic Sasso. Right? Like, um, it's a great performance, but also it's like, sort of like you said, like, you know like um how he's presented like you like he's unlikable i'm like he's like safe unlikable like like you, like he's like it's made clear in the beginning of the film that he's like the smartest kid in paul's classroom and he's the least obnoxious compared to like you know the blonde like uh rich yeah i didn't even necessarily mean like the the, the I, yeah i i probably didn't phrase it right not that like the audience is necessarily set up to dislike him because he is charming but like the conflict he could he was going to have with Paul is going to feel like pretty familiar. Yeah. You know, but yeah, like my thing is like anybody who watches their situation, it's like, Hey, like this is like one of the, like, again, if I was like a teacher or whatever, like Angus would be just like one of the easiest kids that you can like kind of deal with or whatever. And you would kind of give some leeway to, um, um, but like Paul was just treating them all as like, these terrible kids or whatever when like they're not all and i think even he knows but it's just like the kid is not that difficult to deal with paul is just so very difficult to deal with that like um mm -hmm. uh, that's why they're clashing like anybody in the kid situation would be clashing with um paul you know what i mean like yeah no i agreed and i guess the big thing i want to ask you then is like you know 
again, obviously more so than anyone, it's like Paul does have to go on some kind of journey to get to the point where he is at the end of the movie. And obviously, you know, uh, Mary and Angus are running things along the way as well. But like, I think the thing I left feeling most impressed by was that like in, I guess, I guess you kind of, you know, comparing the green book is kind of relevant and that like, you know, you might criticize a movie like that for just being too, too rote and having, you know, the minority character, like, you know, help the white person have a realization or you probably see that plenty sometimes too, with like, you know, young old people movies, like the young person might, you know, inspire some kind of change or make the old person look inward or something like that. And here you could have had like this, 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 this wise black lady helping the, the white guy see the error of his ways or this troubled kid, like, you know, helping him bring something out. It just didn't feel like, it didn't feel like a trope in either respect with with Paul's relationship with either of these characters. And I, I don't exactly know how he pulled that off, but I think the, the film, both both the writer and Payne had a pretty deft touch in making it not feel like maybe some of the, you know, so, some of the archetypes that you might've been used to with those kind of characters in movies. Right. I, I like the phrase deft touch. Cause that was the thing that was my main takeaway from this movie where it's like, with this premise and how much of a throwback it is like it's a movie that you want to resent but because like pain has like this deft touch like both him and the screenwriter they're smart enough to like not make it this very like um saccharine like the saccharine thing that like it could easily fall into like it tips its toes near that but it, it just it's just smart enough to avoid like the most obvious stuff but even but even so it still does but it just works like it's just an example of like a good director with a good cast like can just land the plane and i think that's what i was kind of trying to get at um earlier with pain is that unlike his other contemporaries that are like much flashier than him he is a very much a land a plane type filmmaker where he's you know like smart enough to make these very simple stories but like execute them in an effective way which is sometimes actually kind of like underrated you know so with something like the divine joy randolph character i've seen some people like you know be like yeah she's really great and i kind of went into it like wanting to like you know criticize him for it because you know it's it's a shame when like you know uh black women might like you know get like some of the better parts if, if, if they're some of the better parts for them are just reserved for like ones when they're like in uniform or something you know and mm-hmm. and i think because of that like you know he's walking a dangerous tightrope to just making her feel like something like i don't i don't i don't know viola davis and help the help or whatever you know yeah. uh and not that this is movie is quite as racially charged or something like that but you know it's you can't help but kind of think about it there but at the same time like you know and she doesn't have quite as much screen time as the other two but like i think the fact that like they're able to bring her on her own journey that doesn't feel shortchanged and uh makes her feel a lot more than just like what that job is they just had to have a reason to get her in there i think i i, th- I think is really i think it's really nice and i think it's a uh, you know it's i think it's impressive that they were able to just i guess like that like the scene at the part at that christmas party where she has the breakdown or whatever and i it's just you know i i you you understand why that woman's really going through it based on what we already know about her to that point but i don't feel like that scene uh you know hits in the way it would in like a lesser movie i feel like in a lesser movie it would feel a lot more melodramatic and like it it, it didn't feel like a like it didn't feel a too overly showy in that moment. Like maybe some a moment like that would, even if they do let her character be very emotional. 
And I just think it, on top of just being deftly a deft touch, it's like, I think moments like that are just like modulated very well. And uh, they say in some ways, like maybe they say as much about Paul as they say about her, you know, and how he handles that moment. Yeah. Um, I think it kind of respects like the reality of that character throughout mm-hmm. the film. And you kind of see that she's like trouble and pain, just like the two of them, if not more so. And the movie's kind of, you know, like um, it doesn't like, yell it but like it's pretty obvious like you know there is this tension between her and the people she worked for because like her son is this poor black kid that like got drafted when none of these other like students would have you know yeah they didn't make her like angry they didn't necessarily make her outwardly angry about that fact it's just again something that they make it known to us yeah but yeah like she and she's just really good in the film and then they do give her like her own isolated moments that's divorced of the problem that's another thing she's kind of divorced of the problems of like paul and angus like she's not like interfering in their lives they're just like kind of you know what i mean like like she's not trying to make paul like she's not like really helping paul out or uh helping angus out like she's just doing her job right um and and she you just see where her arc takes her that is divorced of the two white leads so and then that's kind of how they dodged it like there's a scene where she goes to her sister's house and we just kind of enjoy the life of her and her family for a bit and that was uh nice yeah they're not too inter- they're not she's not too intertwined with the white guys that she but she knows what's going on such that at the end of that christmas party she just like has to talk some sense into you know, has to talk some sense into Paul to be like, yo, like, let this kid do something fun. And yeah. at first when I thought about it, I was like, well, that seems a little too easy. Like someone just like told him to do something and all of a sudden he's just gonna be nice to the kid. But like it ha- it is well established in the movie before that point that he actually respects her. You know, he might be a dick to these kids, but he actually has like a, some real level of respect for her. And the movie is like put, has like made that clear through in multiple scenes throughout that point. So if, if someone is going to like straight up just put him in his place, which she hadn't quite done to that point, then it, it, it does kind of track that she could be the one to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And then like, you know, like, um, I don't know how you felt about like Giamatti having the glass eye, but I think that sort of is the thing that like, makes this character uh adds to why he feels so alienated from everybody else um, yeah, more the glass eye or the fact that he like you know has probably never had a girlfriend because he smells like fish yeah that too like um, <laughs> and like there's a scene in the beginning of the movie that is very classical pain like pain is very good at kind of like there's unrequited loves in pain's movies that like it ends pretty bad for the protagonist so like there's um um broderick's ill-advised affair in um um election and then in sideways it's um um thomas hayden church having an affair with sandra oh but um paul giamatti's character in that like can't have a relationship with virginia Matson um because of the actions of his friends in the, um, in the descendants the, the guy finds out his wife was having an affair yeah, and then Matt Damon um, gets a divorce and downsizing from Kristen Wiig the minute he downsized. Um, um, it's just like a common. So in this film, it's like, be you know, the, it's pretty obvious where it's just like, yeah, they set you up to think, oh, yeah, Paul like has chemistry with this one teacher. Um, um, and like, then you just, and, you know, it's clear that Paul has a crush on her. 
um, and he's afraid to go to her Christmas party, and there the Christmas party is for oh, as a husband. Brutal. Yeah, um, but that's like a classic. That is how it always works out for Payne's male protagonist. Um, even actually, you know, in election. Um, you also have the lesbian sister like that keeps happening to her. Like, you know, she loses her girlfriend mm. to her brother. Like, damn, <laughs> pain and cuckolding. Wow. <laughs> These are the painkillers that he puts in his films. Yeah, it's a, it's, I, I hadn't even really thought about that through line. That's, uh, you know, I guess he has a little bit of a, a sick mind. Um, <laughs> what do you think about So, I mean... I I don't even have to do a freaking spoiler section for this point, but if you if you don't want to know about a distinct second act of this movie, uh, log off now. But what would you how do you how do you feel about that Boston trip? Have you ever gotten the chaperone a field trip, Josh? Well, I have got well first. I've been to Boston, and so I went to that same outdoor bookstore that they're in. Mm. Um, so I was like, I know that spot. Um, I love Boston. Um, chaperoning a trip. I've tra- I've chaperoned besides your debate team competition yeah like i've chaperoned um prom like homecoming um because a lot of times like when i was a teacher like i didn't really go on many field trips because like the era in which i was teaching was like during the pandemic so like a lot of it was closed but um but yeah like chaperoning is very it, it okay for me like being a teacher in my 20s where it's just like you know, like I'm seeing students do things that like I would have probably done as a student, like, um, but now I'm the one policing it. I just feel like I'm the biggest hypocrite. Like <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I'm now the narc. <laughs> like you know, like when I was chaperoning homecoming, and like again, like my um fellow teachers are always like a couple years older, more mature than me. And so, like, yeah, um, again, I don't want to be there. Like, I don't want to chaperone at all. Like, but like, I get roped into it, you know. So, um, we like the person running in prom, like, assigned me, um, and this and her husband to like be the people on the lookout in the hallway. And then, like, we pass by the bathrooms, and this guy, one of the kids, um, male students, came out of the girls' bathroom. And then he rushed, like, we're like, wh- like, she was like, what are you doing there? Whatever. And she, he quickly rushed into the male's bathroom because she's like, he knows that she can't go in there. So like, she sent us to go in there. And while we went to go like confront him, like we caught these kids just like vaping and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we had like narc on them. And it was just, it was like, it was like, like, 18 year old me was really mad at like 27 year old me. <laughs> and what I like a narc. <laughs> um, but you got- never, never, never had to like chaperone an overnight trip like the one in this movie, but you've had your own adventures. Oh, hell no. Hell no. I would never want to. Like, if you lose one kid, <laughs> they'll never make you forget it. I, I, I did like, well, so it's before the field trip thing, but I, I did, I did enjoy how. Uh, when he when uh Angus fucks up his arm on the trampoline, and he's he just like he he's just being a little shit the whole time to like up until that moment, and he just like he just turns it on Paul and he's like, "You were the one that was supposed to be looking after me. How dare you?" <laughs> I got I got I got a real kick out of that, and then it made me feel bad for teachers. 
By the way, by the way, by the way, like when he breaks, like again, like me having an injury, I was just like, I do like the scene where you showed them like having to undislocate his arm Ugh. and how painful it was. I like, I, I like that because, like, yeah, no, like it was, it was great human anatomy stuff. Um, <laughs> I was just jealous by his recovery time because, like, like two days and he, he's like without like a sling, like screw him, but. Yeah, no, like the thing, but but here's the thing: all of Paul's problems he brings down to himself. Like he does not have to be as hardcore as he is to these holdovers. While he's like, like again, like um, it, it's during their break, right? He doesn't have to wake them up at like a certain time. He doesn't have to make them do exercise. He doesn't have to do any of that stuff. He could have just been chill and just like you know make sure that they're not doing any drugs or alcohol or whatever like inspect that but at the same time just you know let them do whatever they want you know and that would have been easier for everyone but no he's just doing he's he feels like he has to go out of his way to like instruct his authority over these kids you know um so yeah like yeah paul i just think like yeah that that's what makes him a little bit unlikable for sure he uh he 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 goes too far and i think you know it's interesting like we and i I guess we can work my way our way back a a little bit before we wrap up to uh what uh to what angus goes through in boston but like we 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 get uh, the revelations about paul and his hit past and i think i think i think there might be a couple uh, a couple of hints just of him having some kind of odd stuff in his past that led to him being just spending his whole life basically living on a, a boarding school campus but on top, we, we we come to find out when he runs into an old classmate that he went to Harvard and uh, got kicked out of Harvard when he basically kind of like ran over one of his classmates. But then they just for some reason gave him a job as a teacher anyway at Barton, which is, I mean, th- that's a whole other conversation for like if that's just uh, you know. Well, it's like the '70s, so like you just do stuff. Great background check, yeah, sure. So it's, we, clear that, it's clear like the person who hired him was a mentor and like hired him in spite of that but right and um, then but like basically he's having this conversation with this other guy that went to harvard and he just he lies about his uh he lies about his past so like you said uh we, we you know you get to call him out on his uh you know his honor code basically and how you, you can you always got to tell the truth and um but it, be be Beyond beyond that, it's like uh uh it, we we learn about probably like what the what the deep rooted insecurity he has all stems from in a way and like the probably why he acts that way to the world he's like overcompensating for something. What do you what did you I guess I I thought we were maybe gonna like you know have some maybe academic scandal or him just like you know uh at some point or just like having some terrible professional failure in another field that led him to being like having this sentence as a teacher. Instead, it's like far more twisted than that. And then he just like is just never left this place uh just because it was the one place he could like shrink back to but it's like a he's just kind of like harbored that resentment of the fact that he never got to like you know finish out harvard and go on to bigger and better things like i'm sure a lot of his classmates at barton did what did you make of like having these revelations about like the central character so late in the movie and specifically like what what they told you about that character well what's funny is like in that convenience store scene he's telling the story and then um, as he, like, cashes out the registers, like, have a good day, killer, or something <laughs> like that. Like, because, um, like, it's like he's proud of, he's actually kind of proud 
he doesn't feel any remorse for the fact that he almost ran over this kid so he's kind of proud of it um which <laughs> kind of tells you just like how um sociopath well <laughs> not sociopath maybe but like like he is on a different emotional plane than others um that you know it's what it's sort of to be expected that there'd be a revolution like that and and it works for the function of the movie um and because the thing is like i think this movie is like a classic christmas story where he's sort of like this um scrooge or grinch like figure that learns to have a heart towards the end of the film and so like at the end of the movie when and again like this is like a dumb like like I mean, this is like one of the dumb things the movie does is where earlier in the film they're at a house party and Dominic Sessa steals like a snow globe and then he goes to Boston to visit his real dad who's in an asylum and he gives him a, a snow globe in which that person used to attack the people in the asylum and that's how the parents find out about their excursion into Boston and um, Paul Giamatti covers for Dominic Sessa by saying it was his idea to him to see his dad and that ultimately leads to Giamatti knowingly getting himself fired. You know, like, it's just, I hate this, that it took the snow globe to do that. Like, it's just, ugh, but. I mean, that also kind of goes to, like, having to soften Paul. Through, they they kind of do that through seeing what Angus is going through with respect to his dad. Like, how, how did you feel the movie kind of handled that that storyline all of a sudden just coming out of coming out of nowhere we're led to believe he, his dad passed away up until that point and turns out no he's in an insane asylum yeah it's probably the thing that if i inspected a little bit more it probably irk at me because i think mm-hmm. everything that comes before it is handled way much better and much more um entertainingly because um, sure. you know it would have been just enough if like his parents like just ditched the kid like he just had like neglectful parents you know but yeah um and and like but one good scene was like um when giamatti spots in his bag um like depression pills and you realize Mm. he recognizes it because like those are the same depression pills that he um takes by the way when you say this movie stuff out loud (laughs) you you get a little bit annoyed where you're like man this is like some like hallmark stuff but at the same time like when you're watching the movie um i do think like it's a testimony to the three main leads um that like you you kind of forget the cliches or like you um accept them much more easily you know definitely um any other final thoughts josh before we wrap this one up no i'm i think we got it yeah it's it's just a really good christmas movie and that i think that's what i really appreciated about the film more than anything where it's like it's like it, it because of the very cliches that we're mentioning but because they're handled with that deft touch uh that deft pain full touch um mm-hmm. um it, i think um they go down easy it feels like a cozy like sweater to wear in the fall you know like it's it's comfort movie territory yeah i'm gonna send you the i'm gonna send you the interview i, I listened to with pain earlier where he got confronted with that cozy term and how he's like not sure how to feel about it but apparently a lot of people keep doing that and but i do think there is something more to it than just like the you know the weather time of year and the clothing and all that that, that there's something else to that I, I i would suppose but i 
I, I would just add, I, I agree with you that this movie has a real, you know, a, a real uh, generosity and um, in spirit to it that makes it feel fitting with the holidays and Christmas, even if, you know, it's not like the cleanest, you know, happiest ending. And I, I think that I appreciate that, you know, like even the note it ends on without even going into detail for, I don't think we need to, but for anyone that somehow listened to this point, but didn't see the movie, you know, it doesn't necessarily end on like a hundred percent happy ending where everyone gets what they want. And, but like for it to still like be somewhat of a feel to, to, for it to not be inaccurate, to call it somewhat of a feel good Christmas movie. In spite of that, again, I think this speaks to how uh, impressive the entire operation was. Um, Yeah. Uh, Josh, I think that wraps it up. We both recommend, I think we definitely both recommend the holdovers. It seems like it's going to be a, a, a pretty decent awards player. I would think, you know, uh, come, come Oscar time. It seems like it's getting a lot yeah. of positive attention and, um, be cool. Paul Giamatti got, I don't, I don't think Paul Giamatti is going to, I don't know if he's been getting predicted for awards like the, some of the other stuff. A, in I think it's a possibility. Cause like, it'd be, it'd be cool. Like, like if you break it down, cause the, the locks are, mm-hmm. um, Killian, Leo, probably bradley cooper um so i think i think there's room for him yeah maybe yeah i think i was maybe getting that confused with actress that might even be uh you know a more crowded category than best actor but i guess his only oscar nomination is uh playing the, the boxer boxing trainer cinderella man right so yeah, yeah. uh you know i think this i mean this i feel like this would be like almost uh, uh this would be a great one for him to get nominated for in a, in, a, in a lead role and be a cool like you know bit of a capstone on his career not that he doesn't have more good stuff left in him but that'd just be a cool thing for an actor that's been doing great work for a long time to be able to be recognized at, at, at that level and i'd be very happy for him if that did happen and uh and yeah so definitely and recommend I think divine joy i think divine joy rudolph is like maybe like different Ran- randolph not rudolph i know you're in the christmas spirit but... oh sorry randolph <laughs> uh but i i uh yeah, she's probably the front runner for supporting actress, right? Yeah, I've not. I've, I've I've been too busy to like look at all the rankings like I normally do. I know a little bit about what's going on, but I didn't know. If she, not sure exactly where people were putting her, but definitely that'd be great. I think she would. I, being able to say Oscar nominee, Divine Joy Randolph would be very cool. And uh, yeah, I just uh, I, I guess just keep an eye out. And like, we're, I'm putting this out pretty soon after we talk about it within a week. So uh, I don't know if it's going to expand to other theaters. Again, it was in one theater in Palm Beach County last weekend uh and that just seems silly for a movie that uh, of this caliber so maybe it'll expand a bit um if if, if it does hang, hang around near you until the holidays i think it'd be not a bad movie to see with your family around the um or if you're home with them for thanksgiving or something like that um just while you're in the holiday spirit so just something to keep in mind because it's a movie that i think people should support uh josh before we get out of here anything else you've been watching recently you would like to direct the listeners to Oh man, I just saw Anatomy of a Fall. That was great. Like, like I gave both this four and a half and Anatomy of a Fall. I think this is now my number one of the year. So wow. Far. So yeah, you mentioned Anatomy of a Fall when you were here last week to talk about Colors of the Flower Moon, but uh, you just said I think oh you're gonna love it, and you just confident I was gonna love it because I was a lawyer. I too have seen Anatomy of a Fall, and I want people to see it. Not necessarily because I'm giving it the strongest recommendation. I'm like still processing it because it's like I think it falls into the category of movies where it's like. You know, if you're a lawyer, you might know too much about the law to enjoy something or it might just be I don't know enough about French law and I'm the one that's doing something wrong. So I I I I, I, I would if, if you would if you were to say the performances are great and the filmmaking is great, I wouldn't disagree. I'm just not totally sure if like how I feel about the writing and it's like I need to think about it a bit more, maybe even see it again. Oh, wow. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I know. You were telling me, because like you said, like um, this weekend you saw three movies in a row, which are kind of like the last three movies I saw theatrically. Um, and it was Holdovers, Anatomy of Fall, and Priscilla. And you're like, I like Holdovers the best or whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, since you're recommending Anatomy of Fall, I may as well nominate Priscilla. I'm probably doing a podcast on that at some point in the next week. And, uh, or did I just say you nominated? Uh, because you because you mentioned uh, Anatomy of Fall, and I also saw Priscilla, I may as well recommend Priscilla in that, like, I mean, it's all it, it's really well done. I am always going to have a soft spot for Sofia Coppola. I bet I'll pick up on more stuff when I watch it again. Uh, but just maybe not in my, not like in my top two or three Sophia movies, but like has enough going for it and a really interesting performances from Jacob Elordi and Kaylee Spaney. And, you know, very confidently made because of that. And, you know, oh, oh, just if you saw, if you saw Elvis last year and want to see the other side of the coin, like do yourself a favor and go uh, watch Priscilla just to kind of, you know, see, see what else is going on behind the scenes that you maybe not didn't quite get in Elvis, you know? Oh, I thought Elvis was a historically accurate like, <laughs> I, I, I think i mean it's it's not like it, it's not it's not it's not it's not it's like contradicting a lot of what went on in elvis it's just focusing on other stuff and i think it's good yeah, no, no no no. i was just joking because like yeah. we all know like that movie has some like i don't like, remember what that stuff was or what or what what the con what any of the like elvis like was. like the whole um thing about um him like not wanting to record when it's like mlk's like death or whatever um like that seems like bs <laughs> okay um, the only thing he was a great ally and then also the other stuff too is like it gloss it, like in elvis they completely gloss over priscilla's age yeah oh they totally do and they and they well yeah let's talk i, I have a couple other thoughts i might just say for off pod about uh, about that other than like you know i think the the, the uh, but like i will say what i will say is like it's funny with this movie it glosses over colonel parker <laughs> oh yeah it, yeah it, it does which is, which is also uh, kind of funny that like you know there's no reason priscilla needed to you know uh i mean i guess it's not exactly something they need to concern themselves with uh they're focusing on very much on priscilla but but yes and also the one thing i will say is that uh i looked this up elvis it was it was six feet tall Priscilla Presley was five foot four or is five foot four. Um, and Jacob Elordi is six foot five and Kaylee Spaney is five feet. So, yeah. uh, it, it tracks. It, well, no, I'm saying it, it does, but like it's like it goes like three steps beyond that and it doesn't make it any like more or less creepy. But it was just like I feel like this is like almost exaggerating the age difference some, you know, to like, like it's like it just she looks like she's five in some of those scenes and not that it's like you know better that she was 15 when he was 25 but it's just she looks like such a like a like a you know a school child as opposed to like someone that was like 15 to 18 you know it was it's just it just because of the heights of those actors i just it was it was that was interesting but uh but yeah uh josh before we get out of here anything else you would like to plug personally social media wise letterbox wise any of that uh yeah, my um letterbox is JKB sixteen twenty six. And as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on Twitter and Letterbox. Podcast emails the at gmail.com. Podcast Twitter is at RealMoviePod coming up next on the podcast. Gonna do something on Priscilla and something uh with in hopefully with our uh Sophia Coppola correspondent Kayla and something on uh anatomy of fall hopefully with uh, my friend monique who people heard on the bottoms pod but she is a prosecutor and uh, has been a prosecutor for almost 10 years so i think she'd be a good person to talk about that murder movie that's out so um looking forward to those episodes and then whatever is coming beyond that i'm guessing in theory the killer should be getting to us soon 
uh, in, in theaters um, or in, on Netflix. Maybe it comes out on the 10th on Netflix or something. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that that's it. So we'll, we'll have that at some point with Elijah coming up. Cause he's our, he's kind of got, you know, the Fincher guy. So uh, looking forward to talking about that. Thanks again to Josh for joining me. Thanks again to all of you for listening and we'll see you next time.